0: Welcome to the Vineyard Church Weekly Message Podcast. We hope you will be encouraged and challenged today as you listen to a message from one of our speakers. Prepare your heart and get ready to receive a word from God today. Uh, Ephesians chapter five is where I'm gonna be. So you can grab grab your Bibles, open those up. You can open up a phone, Ephesians chapter five, where the message will be today. We'll also have the scripture online. On the screen, I want to begin with a little insight into a text message I uh, sent someone last week. This person came to mind. Uh, they're not. They're they're actually out of state. They're not local. You ever have those moments where like somebody's name comes to mind, or you, like somebody's face? And so that, that happened. And I sent a text message. We had not communicated in a while, but just sent a text message. Hey. You came to mind, thinking about you. I hope things are going well. I'm praying for you. And uh, this was part of their response back. Not only was it an insanely busy day, but it's been a very busy month. I keep thinking I'm going to catch my breath, but things keep popping up. Now, they went on to describe what some of those things were, but that sentence stuck with me. And it stuck with me for about a week because I've run into multiple people who would describe their schedules, their days, the month, whatever it is, very similarly to that. They wouldn't use the same language, but it would be, things are just sort of crazy right now. Can anybody relate person? Just raise your hand, 950 service, if you can relate. Yeah, it seems like we're at a unique time of really being busy, hardly able to catch our breath. And if your life is amazing, awesome for you, you probably know someone who's running around that's feeling like this. Actually, this week uh, in in the office, somebody brought up, I think in a joking manner, wouldn't it be great if we had two extra hours in our day? And so, you know, you, you sort of joke about that and I thought about it later. I actually asked my son last night. I said, hey, what would you do with two extra hours in your day? Sleep. <laughs> right? And I get that. But I actually uh, f- thought about it uh, a little more. And I, I wondered, what would I do with two extra hours a the day? So I opened my calendar and just looked at the things that are on my plate. And then it came to mind, you know what, I should look at my phone, because on your phones you can actually see what you're involved. You can look at your screen time report. You ever do that? Your phone's going to have a screen. Here's an example. This is Jason. Don't know who Jason is, but I stole his screen time report. Right? You can look at what your, I didn't use mine because I didn't want you to see it. <laughs> right? But you can actually look how your, how your day is sort of carved up, how much time you're spending on your screens. And I wondered, do I really need two extra hours of the day? How would I use that? How would we use that? Actually, I, I expand. I don't want to focus too, too much on this, but I looked if there was any recent statistics about screen time usage in the United States. There actually is in 2024. Look at this. Seven hours, four minutes in America, people looking at their uh, screen every day. Look at this next one. Almost half of children, zero to two, are using smartphones. That speaks more to the parent than it does the child. Or this last one, Gen Z averages nine hours of screen time a day. I'm not sure that we need two extra hours in our day. John Mark Comer, he's a a pastor, wrote a book, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. When he thought about do we need extra time? He actually writes this. He says, The solution to an overbusy life is not more time. It's to slow down and simplify our lives around what really matters. We don't need more time. We need to focus on and zero in on what really matters. So, what really matters? Now, we can point to a number of things, but I want to, I want to poke us a little bit today. And I think this. At least for me, this message has a different weight because I think what really matters if we boiled it down is how we value our time. See, time's a gift from God, right? You you read in the book of Genesis, at the beginning of the Bible, God gifts this this thing. He, He writes this, God said, "'Let lights appear in the sky "'to separate the day from the night. "'Let them be signs to mark the seasons, days, and years.'" We all get time. We all get the same amount of limited resource that we'll never get back, but how are we valuing the time that God gives us? And and God is in control of time. If he thought that you needed more time in your day, guess what? He could give you more time because he's done it in the Old Testament. Book of Joshua, there's a, a huge battle going on. Israelites, Joshua prays to God because things are getting intense. And and what happens is the sun stopped in the middle of the day of the sky and delayed going down for about a full day. There's never been a day like it before or since, a day that the Lord listened to a human being. If you really needed more time and God agreed with that, you'd get it. But guess what? You get 24 hours and he thinks that's what you need. And we ought to value it. And we're told all throughout Scripture to value it. Psalm 90 says this, teach us, this is a great prayer, teach us to value, to, to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. So I want to ask a question all of us to consider. I'm considering this question. The question is this, how am I, how well am I valuing my time? How well Am I valuing my time? I didn't say, How well am I spending my time? If I ask that question, at least for me, maybe not you, if someone says, Hey, how are you spending your time? my mind immediately goes to, How well am I jamming my calendar full of things? That's not what this message is about. This this message is not to make you more productive, and this message is not to reduce your screen time. This message was born out of a reality that we're living in a time that the enemy is coming to steal, kill, and destroy our time, and we will miss opportunities from God unless we value our time highly. I've talked to too many people recently who could relate deeply with that first text message. I can barely breathe because of my days and how crazy they are. We have to battle for our time differently if we're going to see, because we actually need God to show up, we have to battle for our time differently if we're gonna see the opportunities God presents us. So I I, I wanna remind us that we're in this series. The series is called Battlegrounds. Life is worth fighting for. Obviously, I'm going to talk about how do we fight to value our time differently? Because what we're doing now does not seem to be working. And so I want to look at actually Ephesians 5. I just want to look at a couple of verses. Ephesians, the, the book of Ephesians, written by Paul, he, he's writing this church. You could read the whole book, but literally it's like an instruction manual on how to live. You need unity or you need maturity, you need uh, uh, like the armor of God, instructions for Christian households. It's like the practical manual for the church. And embedded in the book of Ephesians, Paul writes this little section about time. It's Ephesians 5.15. I'm going to start there. You can follow along. It says this. Paul says, Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. In those few verses, I'm sensing that there's some things that we can learn about valuing our time differently than we are. And so I wanna pray before I unpack what I'm seeing. Will you pray with me? So Lord, even pausing in prayer, I recognize that we're aware of time. There's a clock on the back wall. God, I'm aware of the time, but I... I'm praying, God, that you would release us from the bondage of our clocks, and you would open our ears, our hearts, and our minds to the Scripture, to the things that you're pointing out. And so, Holy Spirit, we just invite you into this message and help us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Here's what I see. You can write on the back of your program. This message is going to last like an hour. Just kidding. It's not. Here's what I see in the text. Valuing our time requires careful observation. Careful observation. Paul writes, read this just a minute ago be very careful. Be very careful. And, and then he goes on, right? Then how you live, not his own. Making the most of every opportunity. The implication is if we're not careful, we'll miss an opportunity. Be very careful. I think, I could be wrong, but this is the only time in the New Testament where anyone writes those specific words. They carry a weight. Be careful. And if you're not careful, you're going to miss opportunities. Other translations, instead of saying be very careful, the ESV translation says this, Look carefully then how you walk or you'll miss opportunities. It reminded me just practically, it reminded me of two things. Uh, The first thing, look carefully how you walk. And so it reminded me of my dog. I have a very tall dog. It's a big dog. It's about 100 pounds. And it has a patch in my lawn that it goes to the bathroom. It's a very vibrant patch, and when I walk in that area of my lawn, I have to walk very carefully. I have to be very careful to navigate it so I don't step in something I don't want to step in. Do I have to get any more clear with that? Probably not, right? You're getting the point. You have to walk very carefully. That's what, it's sort of the implication of what Paul's talking about. Hey, be very careful. The other thing I thought about was uh, it's February in Indiana, even though it was 60 degrees. Sometimes it gets icy in the winter. And when it's icy, we're very, most of us are very careful putting our hands on the steering wheel. If it's really bad out, I'll actually turn the radio off because I want to focus intently so I don't miss where I'm going to. I'm very careful. That's the same weight that Paul's talking to the church about. Be very careful or you're going to miss an opportunity. And then he adds this thing on the end of that verse. Because the days are evil. Well, that's interesting. If if I summarize that verse just in my own sort of, if I could translate it, it it would mean if we're not careful, we're going to miss opportunities that God gives us because of the enemy. See, there's an enemy of our soul, Satan, in John 10.10. It says the thief, Satan, comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And one of his tactics is to steal, kill, and destroy your time to miss opportunities that God has for you. I wanted to do a little more digging of what does Paul mean by the days are evil? And I was led to a letter that he wrote, Timothy, about sort of evil days. And he gives Timothy this description. It is a laundry list That opened my eyes. And when I read it, it's not a fun list to read. I want you to think about, when I read these things, the implication of time. These things steal our time. Here's what it says. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents. This is a great list, isn't it? Think of the time wasted in each one of these. Ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous. It goes on. Rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. I, I can walk through that list. Put the beginning of the list back up. I can walk through this list, specifically those first four Lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful and proud. And I can relate to those at a deeper level. Before I got to the vineyard, I spent 19 years at another place in the marketplace. I had a, what I thought was a really important job. And so what that led to are those first four things. Lovers of money, proud, arrogance. And then what that fed into is, wow, because of my job, I have to stay later. Well, I'm the only person that can do this. So, and what happens is that thought, have you ever heard the saying, if you want something done, give it to a busy person? Have you heard that? So when you get, when I got self, when it's like pride just welled up, now I'm the only one that can do this. Well, I've got this title, I'm there, right? And it just, Because the culture just feeds into that and gives you more. And here's the problem. When I got wrapped into that, I missed some great opportunities with my three boys and my wife. Missed them. And I wonder, I'm sure I'm not the only person. You may not know this, but Gen Z right now is quickly finding themselves at a point in time where they're quitting corporate jobs at a pace no other generation has seen. And Gen Z's choosing not to get into corporate jobs. And I wonder if, if we peeled all the stuff back, the reason we see Gen Z sort of in that mode is because they saw their parents do what I did and worked themselves so tightly got their schedules so wound up in themselves and they realized that their parents missed out on opportunities. It's no wonder Gen Z's not doing the same corporate things and jumping into the workplace like my generation did. Have you ever heard this quote? If the devil can't make you sin, he'll make you busy. And when you're too busy, you'll never see the opportunities that God has for you. Never, you'll miss them. And I shudder to think how many I've missed. Let me give you another tactic, the enemy. I get this this message is sort of weighty, but I think it's important. Another tactic that that the enemy uses to blind us from opportunities is worry. Did you know that worry is not a spiritual gift? Read the book of Galatians, right? It's not in there. Jesus actually says this in in Matthew chapter 6. He says, therefore, I tell you, don't, do not worry about your life, what you'll eat or drink or about your body, what you'll wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They don't sow or reap. It goes on or store away in barns and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? And some of us are at a level of worry that we actually think it's helping, it is not. Some of you know that uh, my wife, over the last few years, has had some health things go on. And I look back, specifically last year, and I got so wrapped up into worry that I'm certain that I wasted at least three months worrying about the next test, the next scan, the next doctor's appointment, and I missed opportunities with my wife. You can write this in. I can't make the most of an opportunity I never see. I can't make the most of an opportunity I never see, and we can't see those if we're blinded by the enemy's schemes. Second Corinthians puts it this way. Satan, who is the god of this world, has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. They're unable to see the glorious light of the good news. Keep that scripture up there. You can read this two different ways. One gives me empathy. One frustrates me. Here's the empathy version. Satan has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. If you're an unbeliever, if you are not following Jesus, it's no wonder you can't see God's opportunities in front of you. Satan's blinded you. That gives me empathy. That, That leads me to share the good news of Jesus so you can see those opportunities. Here's the way I read it that frustrates me. If I'm a follower of Jesus, Satan is still working to steal, kill, and destroy and blind me so I don't see his opportunities. Blinding me by the things that Paul wrote, Timothy, that whole list blinding me by getting focused and wrapped up in worry. We have to value our time differently. If we're gonna make the most of every opportunity, let me. I don't wanna to get to heaven and then realize how much time I wasted and not see the opportunities of God. We've got to battle differently. Valuing our time requires careful observation. The other thing I see in the text is this. Valuing our time requires prioritizing God's will. Prioritizing God's will. So Paul writes... Hey, you got to be really careful. Be wise. Make the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. And then he writes this next verse, Therefore, don't be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Wouldn't that be great if we fully understood what the Lord's will was? Isn't that like the question of the century? Like, oh, I wish I knew what the Lord's will was. And then I thought, as I was thinking about this, I thought, wouldn't it be fun if God sent us all a text message at four in the morning to say this, something like this, hey, glad you got a pretty good night's sleep. Here's what my will is, and then you would get a bullet point list of what God's will is for you in that day. And then my next thought was, I wonder if from the side of my bed I would argue with God that my day's busy. As I think about, right, my calendar, all the people, that I, that I need to connect with, all the things I need to do. God's not sending us a text message, probably for a reason. But wouldn't it be great throughout the day if we could more clearly figure out what the Lord's will was so we never missed one of his opportunities? And so Paul writes, therefore don't be foolish, understand what the Lord's will is, and then he goes on and he starts to tell us how to get there. The first thing he writes is this, do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. So clue number one, if you want to figure out what the Lord's will is, don't get drunk. I, Paul, write in the church this, right? There must have been some struggles in the church, but it's a great reminder. Debauchery means I'm just self-focused, self-pleasured. I'm drinking myself to a stupor. You won't find out what God's will is there. And he goes on. He says, instead, be filled with the Spirit. filled with the Spirit. This topic can get confusing. It gets kicked around in religion and denominations, and I just want to make it easy. If we want to figure out what the Lord's will is, be filled with the Spirit. Here's how to do it. First of all, make Jesus the Lord of your life. Say yes to Jesus and follow him. Then get baptized. And then... Begin to center yourself around the person of Jesus. Begin to do things like pray. Not out of obligation, not out of religious obligation, but out of relationship. Did you realize that God the Father is so in love with you that he wants to talk to you today? That he's just waiting for you to pause in your day and sit with him and interact and talk. So we can pray. We can, we can read our Bibles to, to The fascinating things that God does. How excellent he is. He did the things in the Old Testament, which means he can do the same things today. We get to read and be full of the Spirit when we digest the very Word of God inside of us. And then we can pray throughout our day, Holy Spirit, I'm about ready to go into this meeting, so will you fill me up? Because I want to speak out of the Spirit of God instead of speak out of the Spirit of Steve. Being led with the Holy Spirit is so, so much better than being filled with other things. You can write this down. What fills me leads me. Do you know that what fills you up will lead you? You fill yourself with alcohol and drugs, that will lead you to places that you never want to go. That, that will lead you to long-term, sometimes short-term disaster. If you're full of your job, your self-importance, that will lead you to prioritize your life around those things, and you will miss opportunities that are more important than your job. If you're filled with anxiety, boy, that'll lead you throughout the day. You will make choices not through the Holy Spirit, but you will make choices through your anxiety. I was thinking about these last two. If I'm filled with my self-importance and anxiety and an opportunity like a mission trip comes up, because we have mission trips here at the church, right, that are surprisingly not full. And I wonder if people have thought, it's probably not you, but I wonder if people have thought, well, I'd, you know, I'd really love to go on that, but my job and I've got this and that and I'm anxious. I'm not sure if I want to fly. Hello, the Holy Spirit has an invitation for some of you to go on a mission trip that could change your life radically. Make a decision through the Spirit instead of a decision out of your anxiety or self-importance. When we make decisions out of those things, anxiety, self-importance, other substance, that's how the world makes decisions. Romans 12.2 says this, Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Do you know how God changes the way you think? By being full of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit gets inside of you and when you rely on him, all of a sudden it starts changing the way you think. And then look what happens. Then you will learn to know God's will for you. That's what we need. When we're full of the Holy Spirit, then we will know God's will. That's what we see Jesus doing. Imagine this just for a minute. Jesus is going from town to town. He's preaching some amazing sermons. He's praying for people. They're getting healed. Things are going seemingly really well. And at this one particular town, after he's preached and healed people, it says this It says, at daybreak, Jesus went out to a solitary place. Pause. What's he doing? Jesus is connecting early in the morning and praying to God. He, he's determining, he's getting a download from God on this is God's will for my day, so this is what I'm going to, that's what he's doing. It's a model we should be using. And then look at this. The people were looking for him, Jesus, and when they came to where he was, they tried to keep him from leaving him. Imagine that. The people are coming to Jesus and saying, whoa, you can't leave. It's amazing. There's still some sick people. We want to hear some more sermons. And out of my own human flesh, I just put myself in that scenario. How easy would it have been for Jesus to hang out in that same city? Things are going well. And yet, when we read in the text, it says this, but Jesus said, I must proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns also because that is why I was sent. He doesn't stay where it's comfortable. He doesn't stay where things are going great. He gets led by the will of God into another town. And he's going to disappoint people. But he prioritizes God's will. Are we doing that? Are we valuing our time to such a level that we get full of the Holy Spirit and we prioritize God's will over our calendars? Just this last Thursday, I think God taught me a little clarity on this. I was driving home from work uh, Thursday afternoon, Thursday evening. It's when we turn our messages in so the slides can get done, right? So I turn the message in, uh, end of the day, and I I go home. My wife, I know, is home. I'd like to see her. She's got dinner ready. She's an amazing cook. So I'm looking forward, like, oh, long day, long week. I'm going to go home. I pull into the driveway, do the normal thing I do, pull in the driveway, and I go to walk to my mailbox, which is across the road. As I walk to the mailbox, I see a, a white car turn on our road and start to slow down once it got to close to my house. The human will slash nature inside of me thought, I'll skip the mail, I'll just go in for dinner. And I felt like, probably because I'm focused on this message, I felt like the Holy Spirit said, stop, stand right there. So I stood literally on the road, the car came by, and it stopped, and there was an older gentleman in the car. I didn't know him, he didn't know me, and there was a dog, and the dog was, this little yippy dog was all over the place, and we're interacting the, the, just the normal pleasantries, right? Hi, I'm Steve. How are you? He introduced himself. It was just the normal stuff. And then he put his car in park. And I knew, right, it's, this is, is going to go beyond the pl- And I felt like the Holy Spirit said, hang in there. Hang in there. So we continued to talk. He was visiting a neighbor down the road. Didn't know them. And then after a, a minute or two, he said something that was a little unprompted. He said that he had been married for 40 years and that his wife passed away last year and that it was hard for him over the last few months. I knew in that moment, it was an opportunity from God. It was clarity on this very message. It would have been so easy for me in that moment, before that moment, to go in and spend time with my wife, to have dinner. But God had another plan in that moment. And he said, just hold on, hang in there. And I was able to pray. It wasn't some eloquent prayer, but in that I don't know, 45 seconds, I was able to put my hand on this guy and just pray for him. Absolutely positive God provided that reminder of an opportunity that we can so easily miss. And I wonder how many of those opportunities I've missed in my life. Now, I've got to bring some clarity as we get ready to close this. When we follow God's will, sometimes we'll be taken to places we don't want to go. Maybe it's interacting with a stranger on the side of a road. I don't know. But sometimes it's even bigger than that. If we look at Jesus' life, look at this. In Luke chapter 4, it says, Jesus, full of the Spirit. That's what we're talking about. He's full of the Spirit, left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. I don't think Jesus was drug into the wilderness. I think he followed God's will into the wilderness. And guess what? For 40 days, he didn't eat and he was tempted by Satan. None of that is fun. So sometimes we're going to follow God's will into places that are not fun. But guess what? When we do that, the power of God shows up to sustain us. Alternatively, when we get to places out of our own strength that we put our own self in because we're self-proud, arrogant, you fill in the blank, whatever it is, we're filling ourselves without the Holy Spirit and we get ourselves into trouble. I wonder how many times that I've done that. God's looked down and said, well, how's that working for you? You got your, because you thought you could figure it out. Is, are you figuring it out? More often, the opportunities that God presents, even when they're difficult, the power of God will show up and we will see opportunities we've only dreamt of when we follow his will. So, as we close, I want to end with this section of scripture and I want you to write on your program. Grab your program if you still have it. Grab a pen. I'm going to have you write a question. But I'm going to have you write a question after I read this scripture. And here's a scripture. It's in the book of James. As we think about our schedules, prioritizing God's will over ours, it says this. Now listen, you who say today or tomorrow we're going to go to this city or spend a year there, carry on business and make money. Why You, you don't even know what will happen Tomorrow. What is your life? You're a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it's the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you you boast in your arrogant schemes. All such boasting is evil. If anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it's a sin for them. We've got to prioritize God's will over our own. And so I want you to write this question down and think about it. Will I surrender my plans to God's will? Will I surrender my plans to God's will? It's the best way to value time. The best way. The way we're managing Time. The way we have shown our kids, other people, how to manage time is not working well. Valuing our time requires careful observation, prioritizing God's will. I want to end different today. I want that question to come back up on the screen. Will I surrender my plans to God's will? Normally, what would happen is I'd have you all stand, we'd pray, and we'd rush out. Super Bowl's not till tonight, you all got time. (laughs) Here's what I want us to do. I want us to continue to sit in the presence of the Holy Spirit and invite him to fill us up and I want you to consider, am I willing to relinquish my schedule to God's will? And allow the Holy Spirit to do whatever he wants to do in that moment. And so uh, I'm gonna pray, you're gonna sit, You could sit until the next service. I don't care. It's between you and the Holy Spirit. You may only sit for, I don't know, 20 seconds. Just leave quietly, fine. But I think the Holy Spirit wants to encounter you in such a way to rewire the way you're battling for your time. So I'm gonna pray and then you guys can just dwell with the Holy Spirit. So Father, we thank you. We thank you for the gift of time. And I pray, God, that as we consider being really careful with our time, God, as we consider our schedules, our self-importance, Holy Spirit, that you would fill us up so we can recognize what your, what your will is over our will. God, I pray as many of us will sit beyond just a minute that you would encounter us that you would fill us up that you would help us deeply consider this question instead of rushing to the next thing so help us Lord